So think for a second. What really goes into making a choice? Whether it be what to eat for lunch or something greater, like how to respond to a tricky situation with your friends. Our decisions every day are driven by our ethics and morals that we have grown up with and cultivated. Especially in the school setting, how we treat one another is of paramount importance to discover our growth as we go off to college and or university. So in this day and age, with COVID-19 impacting our natural dynamic, how can we promote equal and diverse thinking to bring a student body together, even for just a day? Hey there, that's John Spinks. He knows a lot about ethical decision-making and promoting equality. You're listening to Final Thoughts. I'm Madison Thompson, and this is episode 16 of season one. So John, tell me a little bit about your JHT and what led to your capstone. Yeah, so my JHT was a bit of a process. It was kind of weird to come together. It was weird going into like, you know, a new class where I had to write a 50 page paper that seemed so scary to me at the time. And so when I was wondering what I wanted to do, that's when I started realizing my interest in ethics and sort of philosophy and stuff of that nature. So for my JHT, my junior honors thesis, I decided to sort of go along with ethical decision-making in high school students. So what that entailed was a lot of qualitative research on um, sort of ethical decision-making in general and what people have come up with in the ethical field concerning ethical decision-making. And then a bunch of interviews with um, high school counselors and teenage counselors in general that um, basically work with teenagers on a regular basis and get to know their brains so that I could sort of be able to pick apart the teenage brain and certain attributes that I would sort of look at. I guess, in my paper. Um, And it was a really cool process, and I really enjoyed going through all the research and all the interviews to get to where I was last spring and sort of giving my defense, and I felt so ready and so passionate about it. It was so funny looking back, seeing me being scared of a 50-page paper, and then on the tail end of it, having a greater than 50-page paper and being like, yeah, I wrote that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, So moving into my capstone, it was a bit of a hard process because unlike some of the other people in my class who had very like applicable topics in their thesis, mine was a little bit more abstract, if I can say. Um, You can't really just go into a capstone project and be like, oh yeah, mine's on ethics because it's not something that's very like widely known. It's not something like gun rights or, you know what I mean? Like other yeah. charitable things that could mm-hmm. be done. So I had to do some thinking. Uh, so for the first semester of the year, <laughs> I was really lost. I had a lot of thinking to do. And it wasn't until um, January of 2021 this year that I started actually realizing what I wanted to do. And it came from an idea after a meeting I had with Laura Dickinson, the uh, upper school counselor here, or well, the general counselor mm-hmm. here. And she reminded me of my middle school days where I sort of created this walk for compassion that had to do with people with disabilities because it hit home for me. And we did it um, during a morning event for the middle school during Project Empathy, which was sort of a recognition of um, our homeless community. And that's basically how my JHT kind of led into my capstone, looking at ethical decision making and being able to apply that to sort of equality and diversity and stuff that I've sort of grown into and cultivated in high school and being able to connect something that I made in middle school that was really impactful and being able to expand upon it and bring it into upper school. Awesome. So um, give me a quick rundown of what you're doing now for your capstone. Of course. So 
After meeting with Laura Dickinson twice, I also met with Wallace Warden, the upper school head of school. And uh, we basically talked a lot about logistics and what would work and what wouldn't. And so in my second meeting with Laura Dickinson, I was able to sort of solidify my idea, solidify how I wanted to sort of recreate the walk. Um, so my new version of the walk, it still deals with disability and it still deals with all the things that it used to, and it stands for all the things that it used to. But moving now, I think it's more important than ever to realize how diverse of a community we live in today, even outside of high school, and how much I want the high school to sort of demonstrate their diversity and demonstrate their equality amongst each other. And I think this walk is a great way to do it. So what the walk would be is basically a quick walk around campus because it's a perfect little circle shape. Right. And it's a perfect little lap that you can do. And it would be a school-wide event. Um, and if that doesn't work, then it can be uh, staggered due to COVID mm -hmm. regulations. A school-wide event where we basically walk around campus holding signs of things that mean things to us, whether mm -hmm. it be underrepresented groups, whether it be disabilities, or whether it be diseases, anything. Mm -hmm. Right. Anything that means something for you to walk for. And obviously there would be an approval process for like, can you walk for this? Does this make sense? But all in all, it's basically a school-wide event to demonstrate our unity mm -hmm. and equality against not only just the hateful people in the world and just the negative energy and show that we as a campus, we as a school are united as one against those hateful groups and not necessarily looking down on them and like mm -hmm. being superior, but just demonstrating that we as a school are equal and understand one another. Right. And so that's kind of the message I'm trying to get across with the walk. And it also gets us outside. So COVID really wouldn't mm -hmm. be an issue. Right. So um, why is it important to recognize underrepresented groups in our community? I think today more than ever, recognizing underrepresented groups is everywhere you turn on the news and there's a new news story about the Black Lives Matter movement or the LGBTQ plus movement, or you're walking down the street and it's so different now than it is with what we grew up with, I guess I would say. And I guess the biggest example I can think of is like talking to your parents and listening mm -hmm. to the stuff that they dealt with back then. Right. Because it's so different than today. And it's so different with how people were treated and we've progressed so much in equality and we definitely still have a ways to go, but it's so interesting to see how underrepresented groups are finally starting to get representation, right? especially in the government, especially in individual rights. Um, coincidentally, we're doing a project in that in government. So right. that's just yeah. perfect little tie in. Um, but I think now more than ever recognizing underrepresented groups, which includes people with disabilities, people with diseases, and it includes really a lot you can think of when you think of underrepresented groups. I think it's just really important for us as a school to not demonstrate our alliance or demonstrate our adherence to an underrepresented group or an ideal, but just show our recognition of that and show that we as a school are unified. I know I keep repeating that, but that's kind of the big <laughs> point here. Yeah we as a school are unified to sort of stand for our equality and stand mm -hmm. for who we are as a school and stand for our ideals. Right. Um, so that being said, what roadblocks have you faced during this process? 
I think the biggest roadblock would be just coming from my junior honors thesis into this. If I would have been able to get started a lot sooner, mm-hmm. it would have been a lot more easygoing and flowing well. But having a whole first semester of just pure confusion and pure, mm-hmm. you know, what should I do with this project? Right. Oh, I'm so confused. Everybody else has ideas. What should I do? And everybody else didn't have ideas at that point. It was just a couple of people and I wasn't that far behind and I still am not. Right. But at the same time, I think just not having enough time is has really been a big roadblock for me mm-hmm. just because I haven't been able to sort of get the responses I need in time and get the approval I need in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, because currently I have an email sent out back to Wallace Warden, sort of getting his approval on the final idea right. with Laura Dickinson on the email. I haven't got a response back and that's just something I know is going to happen as mm-hmm. we're nearing the end of the year and as right. seniors are starting to get, you know, certain things because mm-hmm. we're about to leave. Right. And so I think the biggest roadblock for me has just been that communication and time right. that I really haven't had the time for. Yeah. Um, so how do you think you'll work with this project moving forward into college and beyond? I think moving forward, this project is something that I not only want to leave behind, mm-hmm. but I also want to take with me. So kind of going first at the leave behind, I want to basically leave my impact on this school because growing up yeah. in it, this school holds a special place in my heart. Mm-hmm. I've been here since kindergarten. Right. I've been here since the beginning. So just leaving something with the school, leaving my special little touch, mm-hmm. especially in a way that shows the school's unity and brings the school together as one is something that I, is sort of a dream to me, sort of right. being able to have the school that I've grown up in mm-hmm demonstrate their unity and do something that I created as I'm gone. Right. Yeah. And so moving into college, having this sort of background will not only help me in college, Mm -hmm. but it'll also really help me as I go off to college because Tulane is a very, I'm going to Tulane University. Right. Yes. For you listeners. Um, Tulane is a very service-based school. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of requirements that have to deal with community service. And I think coming from, All Saints coming from a school that promotes community service Mm -hmm. and is a big part of the school, especially as I've done this project, will really help me then and will really help me be able to sort of hopefully create similar things in the future. But if not that, then just be able to promote the idea that I've cultivated and brought together here, Mm -hmm. promote that idea that I wouldn't have had without this class. Right. Yeah. Um, so moving forward, I know you just spoke about Tulane. What's next for you and for college? So I will, as I said, I'll be mm-hmm. attending Tulane University. I'm hoping after sort of spending my years there, I will go to law school. I'm currently declared majoring in philosophy with a side concentration of law, morality, and society with a double major in cognitive studies, as well as a minor in classical studies. Yeah. So it's a lot, <laughs> but it's a really fun sort of dynamic. I've gotten my schedule already and it sounds like so much fun. Mm-hmm. My classes are so engaging. And that's about, I guess, all I can say about my future yeah. for career. I really mm-hmm. is up in the air. Yeah. It's just sort of what I get the opportunity to do when I get to that point in my life. Right. Um, so moving on to kind of the honors college ideal portion. So um, I want you to fill in the blank for me. Design thinking is... I think after thinking about this for a while, design thinking is fun, 
but weird. Yeah. <laughs> at the same time. So design thinking is something that I don't think I would have experienced without the honors college mm -hmm. program. It's something that it just seems so strange at first. It's like I said, when you get to ju the junior honors thesis, the teacher saying, oh yeah, we're going to be writing a 50 page paper. Mm -hmm. sounds so horrifying. But when you get to sort of the completion and when you get to capstone and they start talking to you about design thinking and you're also doing these little capstone design activities, mm -hmm. design thinking is something that <laughs> at first may seem a little strange. Mm -hmm. um, for example, our class, we had to design a sort of new thing for the modern art museum right. to sort of get them back in action, back rolling after the COVID-19 pandemic. And it was so weird because we all kind of sat there like, we're designing for the modern art museum. Like mm -hmm. it was so, it was so stressful, but at the same time, it was so fun to like actually create these ideas that would be implemented into the world because as high school students, we don't really do that. We're yeah. not the people who do that. We're students, mm -hmm. but being able to actually have our impact through design thinking and through thinking outside the box mm -hmm. is just something that's so fun, but it's so weird at first. Yeah. But once you kind of get used to it through the capstone sort of program, it's just such a memorable experience and it's something that you'll never forget. Yeah. Um, so speaking of fun, um, what is something that people often get wrong about the classes in the Honors College? Well, going on fun. They're a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, but people often think that we in the Honors College do something like totally, like we're totally different. We're mm -hmm. like the best of the best. No, we're, yeah. we're a group that just is together for mm -hmm. a bunch of random things. Like if you'll look at all the episodes of this podcast, all of us have such different interests. We have, right. it's, we're very diverse as a class mm -hmm. interest wise. And so I think something a lot of people get wrong about the honors college is that our classes are like different and they're rigorous mm -hmm. and they're this and they're that. Our classes are rigorous. Mm -hmm. We do do a lot, but they're also very flexible. Right. We have a lot of discussion. We have a lot of talking that mm -hmm. wouldn't really happen in a lot of normal classes because normal classes you get lectures, you get a lot of homework, mm -hmm. you get a lot of papers. And the Honors College, we have a lot dedicated to sort of talking to one another right. and having these big mass discussions, especially in the freshman and sophomore mm -hmm. years, which I think was so good to be able to yeah. get to know one another mm -hmm. and having these like really big discussions. And so moving into thesis and capstone, we have these real world tools that'll help mm -hmm. us when we get to college and will help us even after college. Yeah, I agree. That protected um, discussion time has been very helpful. Oh, um, so the Honors College asks you to lean into the seven mindsets. Where do you think you've grown the most? That's really a tough question, but I think think I would have to probably go with the communicator mindset. Mm -hmm. Moving from the eighth grade into upper school, mm -hmm. I wasn't a talkative person at all. Yeah. I was so quiet. I would, you remember. Yeah, I, was so I can quiet. attest to that. <laughs> <laughs> I was so quiet. I was so reserved. I just didn't really like you know, getting myself out there. Mm -hmm. But if Honors College has taught me anything, it's that communication and talking to one another is so important right even outside of the school setting just like talking to people and opening yourself up to people is something that you can't like buy with quietness and reserve right. you can't reserve yourself and expect people to sort of you know as a person be able to understand you mm -hmm. being reserved 
doesn't let you do that. And if, if the honors college has taught me anything, it's that <laughs> I can public speak. Mm -hmm. I can communicate with people without breaking out in a sweat and just being yeah. like so scared of like giving presentations. Mm -hmm. Honors college has really helped me with that. And like even doing this podcast, like I've, I've been so chill this entire time. Yeah. And as an eighth grader, I would have been like eyes wide, mm -hmm. eyes buggy, like sweating. But like right now, I'm, like it's, it's so mm -hmm. cool being able to like see myself and listen to myself talk about my capstone and listening to how I've grown through communicating and through all the mindsets. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, listeners, don't forget, you can hear more about other capstone design work. Every episode of Final Thoughts follows the design process of capstone students of the class of 2021. Till next time, I'm Addison Thompson.